Nobody is without sin. I know that. I feel like I've always known that. But what if you had known you sinned, but you can't remember it? Or what if you knew you were going to sin? Not that you planned something. You had no idea when or where the sin will occur, but you just know it's going to occur one day. I guess it's important to know, since you don't have the same ability as me, is that our sins record themselves on our body. You can't see them. They're invisible. To everyone except me. I stand near the train tracks. I'm not quiet on them. Not yet. I watch the cargo train pulling steadily into the station from afar. I let my mind wonder what the world would be like without me. Yeah, David would be sad, but he's already drunk and depressed all the time. Would anyone else even care? My grandparents? They would be used to death by their age, right? The thundering locomotive interrupts my thoughts as it charges towards me. I'm not gonna do it. I never do. I never mean to. But knowing I could, I don't know why that makes me feel better. I sit in the passenger seat of my father's old rusty pickup as we fly through the highway among the towering trees and boastful mountains to our new home. David bobs to a country song on the old pickup radio. And then I see it, the unassuming, quite depressing, not at all interesting sign to enter town. Welcome, it jokes, to Three River Pass. Only I can see their secrets, painted on them like a tattoo, branded rather, a scarlet letter, a dark code, I stand in the mirror, nearly seventeen, staring at the reflection on my bare chest. I read the words written on my body, illuminating in purple light. Failure. Hail. Stupid. I skip the rest and pull the shirt over my head. Still, some of the letters peek out on the left side of my neck, a constant reminder of their existence. I hope they can't all be true. Dallas, gonna be late for your first day of school. I hear from my bedroom doorway. I'm not sure how long he's been standing there, but it makes no difference. He can't see my sins like I can. David, what are you doing up? You're never awake this early. It was true. These days he was usually sleeping off a hangover. My father was by all rights a handsome man. These days, his big belly and gruff exterior made him look a lot scarier than he actually was. Darker features than mine, I had gotten my soft freckles and ginger hair from my mother. A cowboy at heart, David's rough exterior only matched his personality when he drank too much. Thought I could give you a ride on your first day to school. Not every day your son becomes a freshman. I even set an alarm. David... I'm a junior. David doesn't answer at first, and in the silence, I take my book bag off the bed. 
as empty as it was, I swing it around my back as we continue our uneasy conversation with a silent standoff. Awkward. I'll make breakfast. Please don't. Taking one quick sweep of my room to make sure I have everything I head for the door. Stopping once more in front of the mirror, I pull my shirt collar down to reveal the exposed word on my chest once more. Murderer. Murderer, Murderer. it tells me before making my way down to breakfast. Calling the room in which we cook a kitchen is generous. Calling our home an everyday house is laughable. Sure, it's big enough, but this house hadn't seen any tender love and care or had ever been lived in for a good decade. David and I did what we could to make it livable. My father, in the wake of several other promises, swore he would be updating the house as time went on. Word to the wise, don't hold your breath. I don't mean to be cruel, mind you. I was grateful Dad had sold the farm. We couldn't stay where we were. The move didn't feel like it was our decision at all. In truth, it was forced upon us. Looking over the railing of the second-story balcony to the front door, a small light catches my attention as I descend. Light dances in the air, a tiny light shining from a single firefly. Well, hey, buddy. What are you doing up so early? Never seen one of you in the daytime before. Now I know he can't understand me, but it feels like he's responding to me as he zips away past my head. I turn to find all trace of him is gone. I continue down the rickety staircase, taking each step carefully, purposefully trying to only put as much weight as necessary on each row. I'm probably just being paranoid, but I'm pretty sure it's going to give out beneath me one of these days. Thankfully, today is not that day. Now, despite its abhorrent condition, perhaps the most interesting thing about our home at 1000 Three River Pass is that you literally have to hike to the front door from the driveway almost a quarter mile uphill. Not one of my father's better decisions, but still, David's clear attempts at fatherhood felt good this morning. We didn't talk like we used to, and I missed it. It's true that one morning of soberness did not a father make, and I debated whether I should let him make breakfast and bring me to school. I watched him sweat as he pours a glass of the hair of the dog that bit him, and I decide against his offer. I'd rather bike to school than help him stumble down the walkway in a sobering glaze. My bike tires bounce against the hard ground as I fly through the waves of the forest path. Evergreens protect me from the light drizzle of the day and lets the sunlight poke through the clearing of the trees. I let myself get into the music playing in my headphones. As I meet the end of the walkway and begin down the Three River Pass, the tree covers begin to fade. I can feel the water start to hit my face. I don't lift the hood from my jacket. Instead, I let the water baptize my skin and hide my non-existent tears. The ride takes me along Middle Fork River, a river which acts as a border between the two towns of Rosewood and Stars Rest. My route takes me along the side of Rosewood's newly paved street. I don't race the river long before hearing the sound of an engine build behind me. It's harsh and loud. One of those engines that has likely been modified to sound better than it is. The volume increases to the point that I realize the vehicle must be directly behind me. It stays threateningly close to ramming the back of my bike. Hey, new guy! You're on the wrong side of town! We got rules, you know! He's the typical blonde, blue-eyed teenage jock. Maybe a year or two older than me at the most. 
Unfortunately, this isn't the first time I've had to deal with his type. The old muscle car carries two other boys sporting letterman jackets that match the drivers. This is Archer! No stars rest hippies! The girl in the back seat is yelling at the driver now. She's uncovered her eyes to chastise the driver. Caleb, stop it! That's enough! I want to get out. He's not from around here. He probably doesn't even know what you're talking about. She was right. Feeling the vehicle moving closer, I do my best to move her out of the way. I find an opening onto the sidewalk in an attempt to separate myself from my pursuers by parked cars. Unable to follow, the boy named Caleb slams on his horn to continue with the harassment. Cross the bridge! I scan Middle Fork River and spot a bridge about a block away connecting the two sides of Star's Rest and Rose Wood. Feeling something grazed my hair, I worry they've started throwing things. My suspicions are confirmed as something thumps to the ground near my wheel. I reach the footbridge and almost make it halfway across when something hits my back wheel hard. Before I can react, I spiral to the concrete and lose control of my bike. I try to put my hands out to protect myself from the concrete, but I can feel the burn of my cheeks scratching against the rock as I make contact with the ground. The boys, who it seems have gotten out of their muscle car to make the throw, are piling back into the car. Lucky for me, my pride has taken a bigger hit than my body. Still, I lay on the ground, seething in anger and shame. Are you okay? Here, take my hand. She appears above me, concerned face, pretty brown hair. She's quite a bit more muscled than most girls I've seen, but, but still subtly feminine. I take her hand as she pulls me up. She's as strong as she looks. I, uh, your face is bleeding. Hold on, my mom makes me keep a med kit in the car. As I look away, my arm starts to tingle. My eyes follow the feeling to the inner side of my right arm. I watch as a new word, a purple light, engraves itself into my skin. Slow, it tells me. Great, I say to myself. Now I'm going to have to start wearing long sleeves all the time. What's that? Oh, uh, nothing, thanks. Look up, let me see your face. She taps my chin up and ruffles through her things. First day of school and you are lucky enough to meet Caleb Brody, star athlete and douchebag supreme of Rosewood High. Lucky for us, he doesn't go to our high school. Speaking of Rosewood, don't you know? Star's Rest kids aren't supposed to go across the river. The adults act like it's not a thing. It's a thing. The young crowd is serious about it. I guess it's your first day though, so why would you know that? You are going to Star's Rest Academy, aren't you? Um, is all I can fit in before she continues. That's what Marjorie said from the liquor store. Her mom met your dad and said he told her that you just moved here from Texas. I like your accent, by the way. It's real charming. I bet the girls are going to be all over you, which is too bad since women in high school really get distracted by men and then don't focus on their own dreams and aspirations. Not that it's your fault, but men really must do their part not to encourage male chauvinism. I spend so much time trying to keep up with her words that I haven't noticed she's finished wiping and bandaging my face. There, all done. Here, let me help you. You're really strong. Bodybuilding isn't just for men, friend. She flexes for me. Look, I'd offer you a ride to school, but I'm not supposed to ride with boys in the car. My brothers will find out and will do something about it. Holy crap, is that the time? We have to go. The first day is the day you establish your seat, and I'm not sitting in third row again in homeroom like last year. See you in class. She starts to dash to her car as I'm just catching up with the whirlwind of a girl. What was her name? Hey, what's your name? Dakota! You're Dallas Reed, I already know. She gives me one last smile as she jumps into the driver's seat and heads off. As we recover from the fall, and the girl, 
I look at my phone to check the time. What a day. And it's only 7.30. High school was just as much of a jungle as junior high had been, at least from what I remember of it. I spent my last two grades schooling online. After everything that had happened to David and I, school started to feel like a daily confessional. My friends started to drift and even my teachers started treating me differently, like they were frightened of me. Now one time, my family's farm goods sold in every store in the county. But once my father's drinking got worse, we started to lose farm hands, so I dropped out. Leaving school to help on the farm allowed me to escape the constant stares and questions of being a town celebrity. More than a thousand miles away and now Stars Rest Academy felt a little different. Only now, instead of people looking at me because they recognized me, people were looking at me because I was the only person at school they didn't recognize. The city center was host to Stars Rest Academy. It expanded several blocks and housed both Stars Rest Private Secondary School, Stars Rest University, and Stars Rest Elementary. The school felt ancient, but was nicer than any school I'd ever been to. And if it wasn't for my grandfather insisting and paying, I wouldn't have been able to afford going. I fought the urge to turn around and go home as I entered the main office. Instead, I distract myself by admiring the woodwork as I stand in line waiting to sign up for classes. You have to change this. I can't be in every class with her. She's going to drive me crazy. There's no way I can even pass some of these classes. You can't do this to me. The boy in front of me whines to the woman at the desk. Mostly all black, he holds a skateboard in one hand. Standing behind him, I can smell the smoke from a cigarette he had recently had. But Gideon, you signed up for classes in the summer just like everybody else. I need permission from a parent for any changes. I told you that. Jingao, fat chance. This is their fault. He turns my direction, stubbornly taking his papers from the desk before leaving. Black hair, darker skin, Latin probably. I watch as he storms off into the hallway. Hi there, you must be the new kid. Dallas, is it? Yes, hello ma'am. It seems like you aren't the only one heard I was coming. I need to sign up for classes, please. Her smile is wide. Well, aren't you the polite type? It's nice to meet you. You will come to know me as your friendly secretary in the main office. Juliet Jones. Yes, unfortunately, this town isn't big enough to hide in. News travels fast, and most of these kids go here K through 12, even longer if they stay for university. Don't worry, honey. Schedules are made in the summer, so we just went and wrote you up some general courses. If you need changes, you will need to bring a parent's signature. You start in homeroom C. If you hurry, you can catch Gideon and follow him there. Thank you kindly. I nod my head as I take the course sheet to look through the class selections. P.E. Math. Science, myth, and folklore, welding, computer science. Not bad. The once loud hallway full of students has died down and looks way more intimidating now. Collegiate and expensive. The dark wood walls tower high and the floor shines for the few students still in the halls, upperclassmen from the university. It all felt very out of place in the small town that was Star's Rest, and being from the country, I felt very out of place in it. There's no way not to attract attention as I walk in late to homeroom C. All eyes come to me as I enter, and the room falls silent. I felt exposed. I worry for a moment. Could they read my secrets? My twin sister had been able to read them. Dakota awkwardly waves at me from the front of the class. The boy named Gideon snickers at the wave and is rolling his eyes from the back of the classroom. I have to break the silence. I, uh... You're what? 
From Texas? New? A murderer? Late, I manage as I hastily make my way to the first empty chair I can find. I feel my cheeks getting red as the class giggles to itself. The teacher, Mr. Durth, continues his lecture. This is not a free period. This is not a social time. You're expected to be here on time. He shoots a pointed look my direction. It is my goal to help you get the most out of your year, to help you become passable members of society, possibly even good members of society. Only a few of you will leave this town, and some of you will be crazy enough to come back to it. The class laughs. Now let's get at it. Time to take roll call. Now when I call your name, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Really? We've been going to school since kindergarten. I don't think that's necessary. Dakota turns from her chair, visibly disgusted by the comment. I can't help but smile from her distressed reaction. Mr. Pereira! It's not a question, but rather a discovery. Yes, I've been lucky enough to teach both your mother and father, and somehow, unbeknownst to me, you are spawn of theirs. Mr. Pereira, we do have a new student. Shall we save him the agony of feeling like the icebreaker is only for him? Too late, I reckon. You're finished, I imagine, yes? He doesn't let Gideon answer. Sarah Abbasold? Most of the students' names and responses drown out from the background of my thoughts. A few others catch my attention. The great Gideon Pereira. Here, obviously, most of you know who I am. To the ginger kid, I like to wear black, and I like chicks. I like black chicks. Gideon! Well, it's true. Well, that's enough of that. Our new student, Dallas Reed. Stand up, tell us something about yourself. I like nothing less than this kind of attention, but I comply. Uh, well, I'm Dallas. I'm from a small town in Texas where my family owned a farm. I like football okay. Thank you, Dallas. Dakota stands. He continues with an almost worried tone. Dakota stands. Hi, everyone. I'm Dakota Sands with a Z, not an S. And I'd just like to say, even though Gideon is my cousin, I do not agree with this disrespect of black women. Not just black women, but all women. I mean, black women definitely have it a lot harder than uh, a lot of other women, but I definitely think that all women can be treated much better in this school, and his behavior is atrocious. Let's just stick to something about you, Miss Sands. Right. Many of you know me as last year's class president, captain of the boys' wrestling team, or winner of the JROTC Amelia Earhart Award. I have three older brothers, two cats, and a dream to be the first female president. Furthermore, to several students' delight, Dakota's cut off by the morning announcements. This is your friendly secretary of the main office. The Pauls. Juliet Jones. Welcome back, students. Don't forget, all after-school activities don't start until next week, and you will be needing to sign permission slip for a parent to change any courses. On behalf of all the staff here at Stars Rest Academy, we'd like to wish you a spectacular year. Ryder Watson. Mr. Durth moves on, leaving Dakota with her mouth in disbelief to sit, disheartened she won't be finishing her speech. A shy boy with short black hair starts to speak. Uh, here, I'm Ryder. Let's break it down, yes? I'm only half black. Uh, yes, I have two gay dads. No, I'm not gay. No, you cannot touch my hair. Next. He stares at a girl sitting next to him. He knows she's next. Raven Watson, the girl next to Ryder, continues without Mr. Durst saying her name. 
She motions to Ryder. So we're like siblings, but since I guess we're focusing on race today, I'm Asian. I won't even bother breaking it down for you. You hillbillies haven't heard of it. Just Asian. I like tacos, so... The class chuckles. And we got there. Now keep yourself busy until the bell rings, yes? I'm able to get through the next couple periods without many hiccups. Luckily, Dakota has most of the same classes as I and helps me find my way around the maze of a school. Gideon is usually a few steps ahead or behind us. He didn't like to be seen with his cousin Dakota, but as angry as it made him, Gideon had, by order of his mother, Dakota's aunt, all of the same classes as she did. Dakota explains Gideon was held back last year for failing grades, although she feels it had nothing to do with his intelligence or skill, but rather a lack of interest in showing up to class and applying himself. Thinking I would get some relief when it came to phys ed, I enthusiastically entered the gym. No talking, no studying, just a good old-fashioned sweat. At one time, football had been my stress outlet. It took skill and speed and quick reaction. Kept me busy so my brain could rest. But football, like many of the things in my life, just became a dark social nightmare at each practice. Every game, any time I entered the locker room. Unfortunately, it seemed this day was not done having its way with me. Substitute teacher. The word frustrates the class as we sit on the bleachers, looking down to him standing at the gym floor. At least for a couple of weeks until your P.E. teacher is able to return to school. Or come to school for the first time. I'm actually only allowed to teach 19 days without my teaching certificate. Some of you may recognize me. I'm a student at our university. My name is Tom. Mr. Tom, so you're like how old? Raven Watson asks. She's next to her brother as seems usual. Despite looking nothing alike, you would think they were twins. The smartest thing the man-boy did that day was ignore her. So who wants to watch a movie? Bad News Bears? Yeah, excited. He doesn't wait for a response and runs to the side of the bleachers to push out a television on wheels. The rest of us share glances. <laughs> Isn't that movie about crippling alcoholism? Dakota speaks up. It's more of a reminder than a question, as I'm sure she knows the answer. Mr. Tom, eyes widen, checks the back of the DVD box he is getting ready to take the CD out of. It's PG! It's baseball! It's fine. Leaving school for my first day is bittersweet. Summer is now only 179 days away. A little depressing. On the other hand, my new home is a bad ripoff of House on Haunted Hill, with the role of zombie being played by my father, David. It's hard to choose where I'd rather be. I'm reminded by the awful fact that my bike was, in fact, told as I returned to the front of the school. No point in calling David. Even if he answered, which was unlikely this time of day, he surely wouldn't be in any condition to drive across town. Convincing my fate, I'm surprised to find a short, chubby, brown-haired boy kneeling at the bike rack in front of my bike. He doesn't notice me approach as he reaches into his toolbox. There's no point in stealing that one, I advise the boy towering above him. He gasped. What? Stealing? No! Dakota, right? I should have known. Was she helpful or annoying? Well, yeah. She told me what happened to you this morning. My dad owns a bike shop on the edge of town and Caleb and his asshole friends are always egging it. He stands up to reveal the work he's put into my bike. It's still beat up a little, but the chain is completely fixed. You did this? That's, um, really nice. 
Thank you. I, I don't have any money to give you. It's on the house. Just make sure you come down to Harbor Bikes to get it repainted. My dad will give you a great deal. I'm Josh, by the way. Josh Harbor. Just tell my dad, Ted, that we talked. Uh, thanks again, man. I half wave as he pushes his bike and jumps on in one motion. As I examine my new ride, I notice Josh had put a playing card on the back wheel. I'll make a short audible laugh to myself and sit on the path home. This time, being sure to take my way down the Stars Rest side of the river as to avoid asshats. Unlike the Rosewood side of the river where you had to avoid oncoming traffic, Stars Rest attempted a bike lane walkway along the river. The ride is quite a bit longer than normal as I try to find a new way onto the peninsula, that is, Three River Pass. I ride along the river until the path ends abruptly on the outskirts of the forest. Several trails lead deep into the trees. I'm unfamiliar with any of them, but I'm running out of options. It's either hope one of the paths pass over the river, or backtrack all the way through Star's Rest, then chance that I can make it through Rosewood unnoticed by Rosewood High School asshats. The weather seems to decide for me. The grain clouds thunder above, warning of showers to come. I don't have time to backtrack through the city, so I head down the forest path closest to the edge of the river. The unpaved way slows my pace, but I try to match my speed best I can to beat the rain. The forest is never completely quiet. I can hear the chirp of the birds and the occasional call of a crow, and the water droplets hitting the ground fill up most of the silence. I'm far into the forest when I start to hear another sound, a less organic sound. Inaudible at first, I wondered for a moment if this forest might house wolves. I must be nearing the heart of the forest as it becomes obvious that this sound is indeed voices. I stop my bike, taking a moment to listen. I can make out only a few words. They sound distressed, hurried. I take a small pathway towards the voices, walking my bike. I know I should just keep riding. I'm drenched and tired. Something in my bones is telling me I have to know what they're talking about. So I keep on. I can see motion through the brush as I approach. And I swear the forest gets just a little darker and the rain pours a little harder. Each step I get closer. I can feel goosebumps rumble through my veins. I said no, I hear between the trees. I inch my way further towards the sound to see if I can get a better glimpse through the shrubbery. If you can't handle this boy, you can just forget our deal. The same voice, a man with a bit of a southern drawl, scolds the other. The second voice is too muffled for me to make out. Finding a clearing in the dense forest, I duck my head enough to see the figures, the top half of them anyway. The first man wears a southern style suit, fitting his accent. I can see only the side of his face, puffy, a handlebar mustache, and a goatee. Despite his angry tone, he looks as if he might be enjoying the interaction. The other figure's back is to me. Their black hooded cloak covers them completely. The only thing I can be certain of is that they are shorter than the Colonel Sanders looking gentleman. He shakes his head in agreement to the Colonel's word. Winter break, as we discuss, when everyone is gone. I don't want this getting. The Colonel stops at the sound of my bike falling on its side behind me. In my curiosity, I must have forgotten to stabilize it. Did you bring someone with you? Were you followed? His eyes meet mine through the eyes. You there! As he points my direction, I panic. Stumbling to pick up my bike, I manage to get back on. Riding as far and as fast down the trail as I can, not looking back to see if they're pursuing me. 
I refuse to stop until I find a bridge crossing over the river. It's warm, but still sturdy, a bit overgrown. It may not have been used in some time, but I have no intentions of finding out if I'm being chased for the second time today. I race across the wood floor of the bridge and push through my exhaustion to make it up the slopes of Three River Pass to my home. Laying my back on the side of the house, I rush through the front door, locking it behind me. Leaning on the door, I let myself breathe for a tender moment, knocking the back of my head against the door softly in discontent. Finally, I'm away from the madness of the day. Dalsborn! Is that you? I thought I told your punk ass to tell me y'all going to be home on time. He's on the top of the staircase. His best angry concerned parent act on. All the act of a drunken man, of course. David wasn't always this way. He used to be the hardest worker I knew until my mother and my sister died. After that, he lost his purpose, lost job after job due to his drinking, and it's wonder how between my mother's life insurance, help from savings of the sale of our land, and my dad's handiwork, how we managed to keep afloat all this time. That said, we had cable, no internet, and a monthly check from my grandparents. Like you care, drunken asshole. I say under my breath, just loud enough for him to hear. Boy, you don't disrespect me. You need to do what I tell you. You need to be home after school. Oh yeah, it's much better to be home with my alcoholic failure of a father than at school learning a goddamn thing. It just slips out. I don't mean it. How fucking dare you? He begins to rage as he takes a step onto the staircase, visibly taken by the alcohol. I know he's coming down to take a swing at me. It didn't happen a lot, but it did happen. Dad, no, I'm sorry. Stop, don't try to walk down the stairs drunk. David gets only two steps down before he stumbles. Beer in hand, he flies down the staircase, spinning as he falls. I watch as his back turns towards the landing halfway down. He makes contact, creating a hole in the floor. I'm stunned at the sight for a moment. Could that really be the end of my father? Was this the story of him? My heart skips a beat while he lays still. Then a groan, and just a brief moment of silence before he takes a sip of his beer that is still somehow tied to his grip. Hey guys, Michael North here. Thank you for listening to the episode. Please, please, please show me your support by leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts or subscribing to the pod. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter where you can track my other projects and my LGBTQ superhero novel coming out March of 2021. That's at Michael North with a one instead of an L in Michael. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-1-N-O-R-T-H. Bye.